Hello and welcome to Two Hearts, a new Who podcast. I'm James. And I'm Callum. And this is the only podcast where that's the only sad thing. I want to know what we're going to record next. Right then, Two Hearts, whoever I'm about to be. Tag. You're it. I know these teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. And every fortnight here on Two Hearts, we take a look at another episode from the Doctor Who revival, and we are looking at the power of the Doctor. Yes, the 13th Doctor has come to her end, and a surprise 14th Doctor is taking control of the TARDIS and steering the ship straight to Planet Disney. We will get to that in a quick second, but firstly, just a quick reminder that you can always find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Two Hearts Pod, that's the number two. And you can also email us at twoheartspodcast at gmail.com. That's to the word to. And you can get in touch, have your thoughts and feelings shared on the show. We always love to hear from you. James, life. <laughs> oh, boy. It is certainly continuing. Uh, so, folks, it has been, I would hazard a guess and say at least a month and a half since we've sat down to record a new episode I of the show. I think longer. We have been... Co- we the The... Listeners, we did such a good job of banking up episodes. We had, we were recording, we had all these episodes in the bank, and we were like, yes, now we can take a quick break. Which <laughs> kind of turned into, <laughs> it turned into a long break. But there are good reasons for it as well, because James, you've been doing lots of really fucking exciting things, haven't you? That's very true. Yeah. So I feel like since the last time uh, we recorded, uh, so I went to PAX, which was a you know, fantastic like three-day game convention in Melbourne, which was great. Then I got really fucking sick. Um, not COVID though, by, by all accounts. That's great. Um, and then as soon as that wrapped itself up, uh, within the next week, I had jetted off to Hawaii to play Sonic, uh, all on Sega's money for, for press start, which is um, just a, a wild career highlight as far as I'm concerned. Um, I am astounded at the things I get to do because of my silly little words. I mean, they're not silly. They are like, if you haven't read James's reviews, like he, uh, you know what? I'm not going to gush about you on the, on our own podcast. I do it behind the scenes anyway, (laughs) but you do have like a very particular and amazing way of like (laughs) talking with such passion without, dumbing down or talking down to anybody um i think you should all give i mean i'm a bit of a wanker but yeah you are a wanker but you like it like you that's you're an enthusiastic wanker and yes (laughs) we can all get on board with that um yeah so if you haven't uh read any of james's reviews please do i i think you've done it was not a review of sonic right it was like a um no, so it was just like a, a hands-on preview so you can read my impressions of Sonic Frontiers. And I also got to uh, interview like an absolute legend of, of Sonic game history. Uh, and we had a, a very thorough chat about the game and just the the sort of work that's gone into it and um, how, how that is all coming together. So yeah, you can read those on uh, Press Start Australia, which is the home of my, my new work. It's so exciting. Well done, James. And... Um, in my world, um, uh, let's move on. <laughs> There's a not. It's not not good, Joan. Not good. Yes, that 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 would be most 
<laughs> Sorry, um, that's the quote I was trying to reach for. It was, <laughs> that would be most good, Newland. Most good. <laughs> but it's that's not. not in poor taste, is it? No, neither of those people are dead. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> um, you know what is dead, though? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> we are... Um, Renowned for not really liking this era. Am, am I right in saying that, James? I, I would say so. I think we have been pretty staunch in our opinions of it. Um, you know, if, you, if you've stayed with us through Flocks and through those last two specials, it has been a ride. And Power of the Doctor, it, a it is an end. ending. It, 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 well, yes, I, yes, in a lot of ways, it is the most fitting end it possibly could have been for this era uh, for so many reasons that I guess let's get into right now. And then here, instead of doing like the trailer, I'm going to do the a little clip of Rasp- Rasputin. Oh, nice. Okay. I like that. Well, we're throwing the naming convention out because I don't know where this fits in in the series chronology. So let's just say special number three for 2022, The Power of the Doctor, written by Chris Chibnall and directed by Jamie Magnus Stone. James, you're going to challenge me to recount this plot in 60 seconds, Mm. and I think it might kill me. I think it might too. This This might force your regeneration. Oh, honestly, I need one. I need to get out of this body. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't we all? Uh, all right, are you ready? No, but go. All right, three, <laughs> two, one. I have literally blanked on the plot, so I'm just going to say that the Master's there, Daleks are there, Cybermen are there, they've built a planet. Oh, no, that's right, it starts on a ship. Start, no, it starts on a train, and there's a train, and the Cybermen take a little girl, and the girl is a... a source of energy and and she powers the cyber planet and that's gonna force the doctor to be regenerated into the master and master's Rasputin and he's like blah blah Rasputin and uh Yaz is there and so is Ace and so is Tegan uh and they are all having little adventures and um oh Vinda's there Graham's in a volcano uh, the doctor is in like a post-regeneration state and she sees all her f- old faces and then the, the, the fucking, uh, fugitive doctor comes in and she's like, bow, 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 and then they t- change places and then Jodie dies and, and she regenerates into ta- David Tennant and Yaz is queer, but we never know it. And that's time. <laughs> that was fucking awful. <laughs> yeah, that was, um... That was pretty rough, even for us. <laughs> Yaz is queer, and she doesn't even know it. Is what is that? What I said? <laughs> uh, I think she said we don't even know it, which is not entirely true. You know, that's the note entirely. No, that's the note. I feel like we I, I've left the impressions of this episode on is like yes. blank slate. Give me your honest thoughts, feelings about the power of the doctor. Um, I mean, look, it was, it was, (laughs) oh my God. Power of the Doctor is to me like exactly the Chibnall story that we would go out on. Um, it Mm. it is Chibnall through and through. Um, and I mean that 
almost entirely as a as a negative. Um, I I've seen a lot of praise for this as like a silly good time, and that it doesn't matter if the mechanics of it don't work or if the emotional logic of it doesn't work, because like who cares if we're just caught up in like a rollicking adventure. Um, and I can sort of sympathize with that to a degree when I watched it on Monday morning and, um, sort of just let myself get swept up in it a little bit. There was a couple of times where I found myself having an okay time with it. Um, mm. as the day goes on though, or as the day went on. And then now that I've revisited the episode, um, I find myself just completely adrift with it. Like that there is, there is so little going on in the power of the doctor for it to be the final story of the first female doctor mm. for it to be the, the way they handled the queer story stuff. There's, there's a lot of layers to what I don't like about this. And weirdly enough, I, I've been kind of spat out with this overwhelming apathy towards it. And it's because it's the last one, like we're done. And mm. so a lot of the fight is gone for me. I'm just left here. Like, okay, well, that wasn't very good, but this whole era hasn't been very good. Mm. Let's move on. Um, and she deserves better than that. Uh, what do you think? I, I wholeheartedly agree with pretty much everything you've just said. Uh, it It is difficult to talk about what an authentic experience for the very first doctor, female doctor would have been because that is something that we don't have knowledge of. We don't know how female audiences, um, female identifying audiences, uh, would have responded to seeing the very first doctor, the very first female doctor, um, in the show. I can only say that from my perspective and from our perspective of doing the show and watching this, this era in this very particular point in time, this very particular politically volatile period of history that we're in, it feels to me like just in an effort to, and I, I realize I'm talk, talking quite grandly here, but in an effort to get a very holistic, um, well-rounded uh, interpretation approach to this character, they have thrown everything out that about them that makes them a character. And so... Yeah. Basically, it's it's a form of neutering in a way. Like it's a form of like saying that this is this character is neither is is female maybe presenting but is not any gender. Like she is that doesn't matter to her. She's beyond that. But we are not beyond that as a society and it matters. And it would have and and also the people that she interacts with, the doctor this doctor interacts with are part of our society and are of 20th uh, 21st century earth. And it just would have been cool and it, 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 we obviously knew this was never going to happen after how many years five years um but it just would have been cool at one point during that whole journey for the show to be like this is what it's this is what it's actually like this is this is what it would have been like and and she i think i'm rambling a little bit but like a lot <laughs> but like this episode is is just the final step in that whole journey of saying this doctor is is characterless they they stand for nothing but sort of generic hope um what yes, they stand yeah, agreed. they stand for <laughs> they stand for the the power of the doctor <laughs> is that they are the doctor and they inspire people how do they inspire people Chibnall? uh they do 
It doesn't matter. Yeah, that's it. Like there's that scene where um, Yaz is like, because you know what's great about my doctor is that like she's amassed people that love her and, and that's that's her power, you know. Like the power of the doctor is the friend she made along the way, right? Um, the problem with doing that is that you bring back Vinda with no real significance to the plot other than that he gets literally spat out of a wormhole and into the plot, which mm. again, as I'm saying out loud, and, and, and this is something that we're going to come into come across, I think with this entire episode, right? The power of the doctor having absolute dog shit logic and uh, plot construction doesn't bother me if the emotional core of it was good. Um, yeah. Because I think that there's so many things about the history of doctor who, and as a massive Moffat fan, especially I can barely talk about this, but like, <laughs> internal consistency and logic and like well how does this work who gives a shit it's space magic if it feels right it doesn't matter is sort of where i end up landing with doctor who mm-hmm. and with star wars and whatnot right mm-hmm. the the problem is that you know the power of the doctor and by extension chibnall's entire era doesn't feel right to me you get glimpses of it you get little like heart palpitations where suddenly there's like blood flowing through you again yeah um and that there is a tiny bit of that in power of the doctor like i, I can i can see it um but for me you know it's like you said, like there's just this generic message of friendship and love ultimately wins the day. Why that happens, how that happens, how that interacts with the master's ideology, um, how it interacts with the you know internal logic of that world. None of that matters. What matters is just that somebody shows up that you recognize, you go, I recognize that person mm. and then it's over. Mm. Um, and it, yeah. It's really hard to talk about because, you know, we don't want to just want to sit here and shit on this thing for the next like 45 minutes. But at the same time, um, I think both Callum and I are quite at a, at a loss with, with this one because it, yeah. it just, we, we just didn't enjoy it. Didn't enjoy it. I mean, yes, we, Jane, you've watched it again, right? You've watched it a, a second time. I have. Yeah. I watched it twice on the day it came out and the first time. I was just <laughs> in a bit of a rush, honestly, because it comes out at like 6.30 in the morning here. So I was like, fuck, <laughs> I got to watch it and <laughs> consume this before I go to work, basically. Um, so I didn't really engage with it a lot. And I watched it again in the evening and I was I was bored for large swathes. And I, mm. I think, you know, partly that's to do with the fact that this era has like completely left me in the dust. Well, that's, that implies it's run ahead of me. No, that's a different... <laughs> it's it's left me very <laughs> cold, let's say. Um, and so I was not even... I, I, I couldn't engage with it. And maybe that's a bad faith kind of place to start from. But we've been watching this show for three and a half, three and a half seasons. It was never going to turn a, a corner at this juncture, you know? It was never going to be wildly different. No. This is yeah. Well, it's like all those people that used to say like, "Well, you can't judge Chibnall's era because it's not finished yet." And it's like, well, it, now it has, and the exact same problems still exist. Yeah. Like, and if you look at it holistically, um, what do you what do you see? Well, the thing is that there's no hold to this, right? Like, mm. you've got series eleven, which I think you and I are very much <clears throat> in agreement on is the best series. Yeah, <clears throat> that he has done For sure. rather. Um, because it was at least attempting to do something, whether it did it entirely successfully. Like, I don't think either of us think that it did, but it was an interesting attempt at moving the show into a fresher hmm. realm. Right. Um, and then fans, well, fans, I say in, in quotation marks that you can't see, but like 
general reaction, let's say, didn't go the way that they wanted it to on Series 11. And so then you get Series 12, which is the the response season. It's the Rise of Skywalker season. It's everything old is back again. Mm. It's all bombastic. It's all very loud. It's all going to move at a, a million miles an hour. Mm. Um, and you you and I don't have any great love for, for that series. And then Flux happens. And, and Flux is this like marketed as, well, we're going to be telling like an original consistent story across you know five or six episodes whatever it was and you introduce um yeah. you know the, the the crystal the ravager people and and time is suddenly an entity and all, all these new things get introduced and then he does absolutely nothing with them and finishes off with three disconnected specials that the only real connective tissue across the three of them is that you know you can identify when the queer bait begins mm. and when it crashes and burns <laughs> i was just about to say yeah like if there was any joining connective tissue in um the last three specials it's it's that yes is gay <laughs> yeah guess. well we don't even know she could be bi she could be ace there's yeah <laughs> she could be anything because the way they've handled you know we'll, we'll get to that so i think that um we're gonna go with a little attempt to do a bit of a structure here we're gonna sort of like break down the individual components of power of the doctor see how we feel about them and then um, we'll We'll deal with the rest at the end. So I guess let's start with the part that this episode is in a shocking rush to get rid of. Mm. Dan. Dan the man. Oh. <laughs> uh, I forgot about Dan. Um, look, it's probably the the sanest decision of this episode that they get rid of him so quickly because, like, <laughs> what 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 would he have, have provided, you know, for this episode? He would have just been yeah. dead weight. Um, so they get it rid of him early, but it is like shockingly cruel <laughs> in a way and just reveals like the ultimate plan for Dan was, uh, we can't have what it feels like is we can't have two women on their own. Two we women. need a, <laughs> yeah. we need a third male, a reliable male character to accompany them. Um, <laughs> and it's very, it's very, very funny that they get rid of him so quickly. Um, in a very mm. trite way, like I'm not saying... I think his reasoning is like, oh, I could get killed and that's totally fine. But we don't as an audience feel anything for Dan. And so that that moment, it just lands completely flat. The only thing we really should be feeling for Dan is like his relationship with Yaz, which is far stronger than the Doctor at this point because I don't think he and the Doctor have shared Mm -hmm. many of all scenes with each other. And um, what what that the last lines are, are... I'll call you, I'll ghost you. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not approaching yeah, uh, uh, anything in the way of kindness necessarily. Well, no, but I mean, like, even then, like these two have a, a history of like, um, like shit bagging each other, right? Like they a lot of their dynamic is built on like, um, gentle ribbing and, and sort of like a, almost like older brother, um, dynamic, right. Mm. Between the two of them. Um, and so I don't begrudge them um, ending on that note. Uh, I, I think the specifics of the line "I'll ghost you" is very much a boomer writing for an older millennial character. Um, it, it, it's just clumsy and, and very awkward to me. Mm. Um, but I, I understand the the concept behind it. What I found most interesting on rewatch was because I remember the first time I watched it, and and he leaves the TARDIS within the first like ten minutes, basically, mm. and. At the time, I remember being like, well, surely that's not the end of Dan. He's going to come back. And so I didn't even clock the fact that he gets out of the TARDIS and the doctor's just like, all right, and then walks back inside. <laughs> like they, they, there's no there's no moment, that there's no time to really like 
you know, they, they went through flux together, right? Yeah. Like that they ostensibly had this universe ending experience together. And then he gets a blaster bolt to the face and is like, actually, I'd rather go and hang out with Diane, which again, I think makes total logical sense for, for a character. It's just one, there's nothing done to earn that exit. And the fact that the doctor treats it as literally nothing. She's like, yeah, look, I get it. Goodbye. And that Yaz is very super casual about it. Um, yeah, it's just a bit meh. It is a bit meh. And I, I did, you're right. I didn't notice that first time that, you know, Dan says, I want to go home. And she's like, well, take me home. And she's like, okay. <laughs> and they do. <laughs> and I think it probably yeah. speaks to, I what I hope it speaks to is the fact that, um, is that like they haven't shared much in the in the way of a relationship, um, but it is like just a pretty blatant like getting rid of something quickly so we can tell the rest yeah, of this. We need to make room in the plot, yeah. bloated story, um, which it is. Like I don't think I'm I'm being um, cruel to say that. Oh no no no! This is um this is drastically overwritten. Um, I guess my last point for Dan is that um, I think it's interesting that when we first met this character, there was some half-hearted commentary about living on the poverty line. And when we leave him, there's a joke about the fact that his house is still gone after flux. So yeah, I don't know. What are you doing, Chib? <laughs> it's so, it's so tone deaf and like a joke. It's a joke ultimately. Yes. It is. It, it it truly is. And and look, I want to set this up front because like I feel like this is going to come up across a lot of the things that we're going to talk about tonight. But you know, I I can almost preemptively hear because I see the sentiment so much. Like this kind of response to these criticisms is like, oh well, you know, if if you had a good time though, what does it matter and whatnot? It's like, well, one, we didn't have a good mm. time. But even still, right? I think that there is just a a fundamental lack of respect for um, dramatic building blocks for basic writing tenants you know, for, for the functionality of stories, the, the emotional truth of a story um, in his era. <clears throat> and especially as, as we wrap up at the end here. And I just, I don't know, like, yes, these are, we're going to be lobbying a lot of complaints, but like they are, they are sincere. They are earnest. Like uh, we're not nitpicking. These, these are basics of storytelling. Yeah, they are. We're, we're, when we say the story is like bloated or messy or anything, it is by that. It is that by design, and to engage and to uh, thrill an audience, and maybe that doesn't work for us. Maybe yeah, and uh, we've established over those RTD finales as well. Like the bigger Doctor Who mm. gets, it seems like the less you and I enjoy it. Um, like we obviously prefer a bit more of a focused, intimate scale. Um, there is a lot of similarities between this story and an RTD finale, and I and you know this era has in many ways tried to sort of ape the David Tennant years, so it, mm-hmm. it makes sense that this like they even do like a stolen Earth, everyone around the TARDIS, let's, but it's shitter this time, um, <laughs> kind of scene. <laughs> it is. Um, it, it really is. You know, it would have been cool if in that scene that they do in Empower the Doctor, where everyone's around the TARDIS and she's telling them all what to do and whatnot. If instead of trying to ape the RTD scene, you flip it entirely on its head and you have the doctor kind of like, you know, weakened from a fucking battle or whatever, say Yaz has got this and everyone can just sit back and let that one companion shine for that moment. Oh yeah. That'd be great. Wouldn't have happened. (laughs) No. 
<laughs> anyway, um, yes. What, what do you want to talk about next? Where, where, where do you want to bounce to? Well, if we're if we're starting with Dan, should we talk about the plot? I feel like we need to just sort of unpack what this story is actually about because it is. Is that because you didn't do a very good job in your sixty-second plot description? No. Well, yes, but like, I still I think about this plot and I'm like, what actually happened? So, like, from beginning to end, we start on the train. Uh, the Cybermen are there and they're there to capture a Quarinks. Okay, that I can I'm on board. The Quarinks is a source. Oh, of- everyone! Everyone loves a uh, train heist. Everyone loves a space train. Everyone loves know? a space train. What will start happening through this plot is that the Doctor and Yaz, or the Doctor, or just Yaz, or whoever, keep getting in the fucking TARDIS and keep just jumping to the next plot point. Um, yes. There's a particularly yeah. funny bit where they go to the planet, uh, the Cyber Planet, and they find another TARDIS there. And they find the Quarinks and it's just like this blah of exposition of like, oh, it's the Master Tardis. Oh, there's another power source. Oh, there's a cloaking on that power source. Oh, the power source is a child. It's actually a Quarinx. It does this, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like overload of information. And then they get shot at. And then the Doctor runs into the Tardis and she's like, off to unit. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, it's so funny. They're literally running away from the Cyberlords, which she's only just now discovered are alive again on a massive cyber planet hovering over Earth. And then Kate calls her and is like, I need some help. And then we just cut to them a unit. And she's like, well, hello. <laughs> Where's the pace of this thing? What? Yeah, exactly. The pace of this thing is I've got a lot of stuff I want to do and I want to get it done in 90 minutes. <laughs> 90 yes. minutes. Well, That's the other thing. It's a fucking 90 minute episode. Do you think you could like find some room in there to, mm. you know, put some emotional depth into your characters? No. Yeah. No. No, not not in this era. Um, look, you, you bring up a unit, Ace and uh, Tegan. Mm. Do you love mm. that shot where uh, they introduce Ace and she's in a gallery looking at an empty wall and she takes a picture of the <laughs> the empty space <laughs> on the wall? You know, I was like, she's taking that photo and whatnot and then she's like, oh, like what's up with the painting? And I imagined that the curator's point was to be like, there's nothing wrong. The painting's right there. Like, like kind of like a um, psychic shield paper type thing, you know, uh-huh. like that there would be connective tissue between these things. And like companions of the doctor because of their time with her have been able to like subvert these things. And so they're the only ones that can see that something's like wrong with the world, you know? Yeah. Um. But no, it's just that <laughs> the master is in a bunch of paintings. Oh, God. This feels like... which. Very um oh, sorry. Moffity where like Missy would do something stupid to get the doctor's attention and mm-hmm. like but it's not even like it hasn't gotten the doctor's attention. It's failed in that respect. It's gotten <laughs> units attention and and they just like have images of <laughs> the pin the paintings that have gone missing and they're like, Yeah, they've all been defaced with the face of Rasputin <laughs> <laughs> Rasputin. <laughs> they're like, oh, it's Good. And the way that um, uh, Kate Stewart, the actor's name, uh, eludes me, um, says it is so matter of fact. It's like, yes, and they've all been defaced with the face of Rasputin. And it's like, that's <laughs> fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird that you don't think that's weird, Kate. <laughs> um, and then the doctor obviously comes in and is like, that's not Rasputin, that's the bastard. Um, which is its own thing. But I've, I've skipped a few... Um, 
I've skipped a few things, and we should obviously talk about yes. Tegan and Ace. Um, we should. We we really should. Uh, am I being okay? Fuck! I'm gonna be so mean here. But like, I love Janet Fielding, and I love Tegan a lot. Um, she's Australian. Mm-hmm. She's bolshy. That's her character, and they knew that in the eighties, right? Like this was like a criticism of that era well-documented criticism that, like, the characters were walking emotions, not walking... Like, they weren't characters. Um, they were just, like, reactions, basically. Right. Um, you'd think that, knowing that, you might try to inject some character into uh, into that character if you're going to bring them back. And they do, but it's just, again, in a very trite way. Um, but basically... Janet Fielding walks around this whole episode just being angry at the Doctor. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you haven't changed a bit. And no one wants you to change from the 80s. Like, well, it's, it's the same reason why Ace has the jacket and the baseball bat on. Like, it's... Yeah. People aren't allowed... And, and look, I kind of felt this way uh, seeing those old Doctors in those costumes again as well when they're all in the, um, like the hologram forms and whatnot. And it's just... It's... It, <laughs> It strikes me as this like um, strange um, inability to let things age gracefully. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I think about when Tom Baker came back as like the, um, the the curator doctor or whatever. And, you know, like, and look, from memory, I might be completely wrong here, but like from memory, it's not as if they dressed him up in his exact outfit, right? They didn't even try it. They, they didn't even call him the doctor. He was called the curator. You know, like they- Exactly. They were yeah. like, this character, he, he doesn't look anything like the doctor, Let's just put him in the episode mm-hmm. as like an enigmatic character, and it worked. Yes, it, exactly. It, it works because th- there's a an understanding of the passage of time, and that the, the torch sort of needs to be passed. And what I find doesn't work here with whether it's these old companions or the old doctors coming back, which is its own thing we need to get to later. But like, um, it doesn't feel like the show wants to acknowledge that time has passed. Instead, mm. it's just well, let's get everything back exactly the way you kind of remember it. And, you know, ostensibly there's some catharsis between the companions and the doctors, but, you know, we'll get to that again later as well. Um, Tegan and Ace, I I don't have any real affinity for. Like, I've I've only seen limited uh, examples of their original stories, so there's not a huge amount of, like, nostalgia burnt into me for those characters. Um, I found, uh, you know, the the Tegan queer erasure, or, or at least... You know, because I've seen the argument, like, I understand that, like, obviously, yes, bi people exist. And so, like, it's possible that there's two husbands alongside, you know, um, uh, female lovers as well, right? That's that's absolutely possible. I think that's giving Chibnall quite a bit of good faith, given how much of a traditionalist he can be and how mm. much he fucks up his actual queer story in, in, in these episodes. Um so I, I definitely understand that mm. criticism. H- how do you feel about that? Well, you raise an interesting point, and I never want to give Chipnell credit because I, I, I really do <laughs> think that he doesn't ever realize what he's doing. And so putting a queer-coded character, because they were never explicitly queer in the show, but putting a queer-coded character like Ace and putting a queer in the extended universe character like Tegan next to two, like the first female doctor and the first, not the first queer character companion. Um, but you know, the first queer one to be in love with the doctor for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, it feel, it felt intentional in the promotional meet, like 
material. I completely agree. And when they all enter into that room together and there's a bit of tension yes. because the old companions aren't thrilled, it's like, oh, okay, you're doing something with this. And they're never in the same room together again, except for like right at the very end. No, they're not. Yeah, in that support group. And, um, well, I mean, that's just... it. It's just very straight. <laughs> Is that fair? Yes. Yeah, no, it's very fair. Like, um, and we've, we've talked about this before, but like Broadchurch is a really good example of Chibnall's more uh, traditional leanings, let's say, in his ideologies. And we've seen it prop up in his Doctor Who's before as well. It's not all that surprising, I guess, that this is where we've ended up. But uh, again, it's just disappointing. It's hugely disappointing because like it, it could have been better. That That's where it, it um, ultimately left with. It could have been better. could have been far better. It should have been better for the first time. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, agreed. Agreed. I, 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 I really do hate that they put Ace in particular in that fucking jacket and they gave her the bat because they make her do this one line where the, she, she parachutes into the TARDIS, which is a cool shot, even if she does look a bit weird, like there's a weird kind of transition from <laughs> the effect shot yes. of her. Uh, Entering it. Agreed. Um, where she kind of looks like she's on a, like a trolley or something. Um, yeah, but it is it is a cool concept. Though. It is a cool concept. Um, and then they go straight to Yaz being like, oh, can I drop you in a volcano? And she pulls out, Ace pulls out the bat and she's like, wicked. And I was just looking at her and I was like, I love you and I love the character you played. But I'm looking at this like, I'm looking at this and... I feel a little sad. I feel a little sad because, like, mm-hmm. you have Agreed. not been allowed to grow up, as you've said. It made me think of, like, when they brought Sarah Jane Smith back and they allowed her to be a middle-aged, later-in-life woman. Yes. Yep. Who was reflecting on what, like, her life had been, whether she, you know, what she'd done. And it gave her, like, it just, it gave her a whole world that she lived in. There is no world yeah, that these yeah. characters inhabit. Tegan's in fucking Romania or wherever the bullshit she is. And she- <laughs> doing what? I-, I did a side note, but I, I love that line where uh, Ace is like, where are you? And she's like, what would she say? Like, what day is it? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I don't know how you're, you're coordinating your location based on the day of the week, but sure. <laughs> she says, I said, where are you, Tegan? And she goes, what day is it? Thursday? Romania. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure oh, bless. and I love yeah. that oh, this is so silly in that scene she's like oh I, the doctor sent me a, a package and there was a Russian Russian doll toy box inside oh show me uh, <laughs> Tegan it's a Cyberman why would she send me that it's not a fond memory it doesn't even look like a Russian doll <laughs> yeah it's and you you get that moment later where the master is like did you really think the doctor would like send you a gift after all this time and whatnot and it's like that's cool he i think he knows the the, (laughs) i i guess the the biggest compliment i could give this, this entire episode is that i think chibnall has inadvertently got a collection of semi decent ideas going on here um you know there's another line at the beginning where um the doctor is like she says to the little girl on the train like i'm gonna save you you're gonna be okay and the cyberman's just like the doctor lies and they fuck off and it's like okay are you trying to say something maybe and then it just there's it just nothing happens because the plot needs to happen and so there's never any time given to any of these smaller moments um like you know in theory you have that ace and taking conversation and instead of it being like 
oh, paintings are missing. Oh my God, seismologists are also missing. I wonder what this is all about. If it had just been an intimate conversation between two former companions and one of them contacted the other been like, hey, I just got this gift from someone I haven't seen in three decades. What the fuck am I supposed to feel about this? Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. There's a way to do that conversation. And because they're tied in with Yuna and because they're tied in with the plot, like Ace has her, mm-hmm. Ace has her paintings plot, Tegan has her Cyberman plot, they only ever talk about their plot points um, and yes. bringing those yep. plot points together. They don't talk about, you know, the closest that they, as a two people, come to talking about that period is that, like, semi-funny scene where they meet her for the first time. And, and there is a moment of, like, a frisson of, like, tension where uh, Jody looks at mm. the two of them and it's just, like, it kind of looks, like, uh, uh, horrified to have found them after all this time. Um, yes, agreed. Um, but in Tegan and Ace's dialogue, it's like, Te- Ace is like, you know, don't you say anything, Tegan. And she's like, oh, I'll try. I'll try not to say anything. And then at the end, it's like the pun- mm. the the capper of the scene is like, I thought I handled that pretty well. And it's like, why are you playing this for jokes? Like, you haven't seen this. Yeah. You, you said it yourself. You put it in the script. I haven't seen the Doctor in 40 years. What's that like? What is that like? Yes, Tell us. exactly. What is that like? Yep. What's it like being a queer woman? What's it like being a queer woman of colour? What's it like falling in love with your best friend who's also, like, leading you into danger? There is just... Sorry. No, pulling I, it... I, you, know I, you know I completely agree. <laughs> pulling it in. <laughs> uh, the interiority of these um, people uh, is empty. Meanwhile... Oh, yeah, it's, it's non-existent. Should we talk about the master? Yes, I'm I'm kind of glad you brought that up because uh, I will say I think this is Sasha Dewan's best performance as the master. Mm. Like, he is fantastic in this episode. And I think that he gives this a lot of subtext that it needs to function um, just through sheer, like, force of performance alone. Um, mm. So I, I guess we can approach it from, from a couple of directions. Um, how do you feel about the master's plan? fucking bonkers but yes i don't hate it i don't hate Agreed. it if it, i, I yeah. wouldn't hate it if it was done well basically because the the master's plot is pulling in these allies like he's he's basically hijacked his dalek invasion of earth and he's hijacked his cyber lords cyber whatever they're called cyber masters um and is using mm-hmm. them both to power a machine that will force the doctor to regenerate but not only that force her to regenerate into him i i, I don't exactly yes. know how that works but anyway so it basically means that he with his mind goes into her body um and so she ceases to exist the doctor as such um and that's a cool concept and it really it i was looking at the timestamp but that moment comes at almost the exact halfway point and it almost functions as mm-hmm. a cliffhanger if you were to split these into two episodes, right? Um, yes. Yeah. So, like, I love that. I love that moment for the drama. I love... I think I texted you and I was like, I have no idea where this is going to go from here. And that was a good feeling. I ag- uh, Yeah, I, I agree. It was definitely the dramatic and sort of, like, intellectual height of the episode. Because I was thinking exactly what you said to me at the time, which was, yeah, I, I, I have no idea where this is going to go now. Mm. Um, and that is... That was a really good feeling. And and it's in that time that you can see where the power of the Doctor could have been good. 
Because, um, yeah, imagine that story, like, then following on from that point and the master, you know, we follow him for a few scenes yes. of, like, causing destruction and putting it in the Doctor's name and Yaz is, like, pulled along for the ride. Like, mm-hmm. it would have been... I mean, it would have been weird to have Jodie Whittaker non-absent for half of her own, ep- like, final episode. Sure. But, like, if that's a story you want to tell, Chibnall, I, I would have been behind you. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, I agree. I also had a thought, like, when he, when he first said, like, forced regeneration and when it actually started happening and it was clear that she wasn't going to get out of that situation, um, there was a part of me that was like, oh, okay, so him and RTD worked together somehow because doing, like, hey, mm-hmm. there was a forced regeneration moment and it's fucked up her ability to regenerate properly and that's what's going to lead to the David Tennant stuff is fascinating like that that could have been really fucking cool as like a connective tissue you know you imagine like connective tissue between showrunners like actual proper crossover material Hmm. would be really exciting and interesting um and then you know they they don't do they don't do that and like okay that's fine and then you want to do this examination of the master's kind of like you know strange obsession with the doctor having now crossed over into such a place where they feel they need to become the doctor I think there is a good amount of interesting, like emotional subtext in there for those two characters, and based on the history that we we know that they share, right? Um, that works for me. Sasha Dewan's performance works for me. <clears throat> what doesn't work for me is is exactly what you said: is that what immediately happens afterwards is we get one awkward scene where they're watching a war play out, and he's like, "Oh, haha, I did this. That was me, the Doctor." It's like. Well, how? When? Mm. Why? Who? And he like, doesn't tell it to anyone. It- he tells it to a passing droid or some, like, news feed camera thing. And, like, yeah. maybe that's yeah. a COVID uh, casualty. I'm not sure. But, like, and this is a very this is a very Chibnall thing of, like, not populating his worlds with, like, people. And so, like, yes. this is, like, that scene just feels so stagey and stilted because, like, it's, it's at the green screen environment. Um... But it's just, it's the only, it's, it's like, it's like if you were like sh- <laughs> trying to show evidence that of like, you know, doing something and you were like, oh, that, I did that. And it's like, well, that amounts to nothing really. Like that, that, that we need quality. We need quantity. Yeah. I, I, I agreed. Agreed. Sampled that a little um, bit. No, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. Um, It's just, you know, and and then like Yaz pushes him out of the TARDIS and she fucks off. um, And I really like that shot of him playing the the little recorder, like sitting on that, on that planet on his own. Yeah. Um, And it kind of like almost cuts to black and it's like, okay, again, there's that little hint of something cool there um, that like you can, you can see where the fun is, is like starting to spark to life basically. Um, and you know, like he's wearing like bits and pieces from all the old doctors, which is a decision I can't decide if I love or hate. Um, I really don't know where I feel. If you love and hate what, sorry? The fact that he's wearing like all those old clothing bits uh, from the other doctors. I like it. I like it. There you go. <laughs> I mean, I think it would have made more sense if it was the uh, stuff from the new doctors though. Well, mm, well, we, there, Chrissy, Chrissy Chibnall did get a, a little... <laughs> funny interview where he was talking about like uh this is kind of sidebar i suppose to our main conversation but just talking about how he like didn't include any new who elements because of what's gonna happen in the 60th anniversary so that's its own little like 
Hmm. Yeah, I, I think that quote was somewhat misrepresented. Actually, I'm pretty sure I saw somebody tweeting about this, but um, oh. uh, <clears throat> uh, look, the the point remains, right? Is that like Chibnall has a a very specific nostalgia point going for him in this episode, obviously, um, and it's weird seeing Sasha Dewan's master in the clothing of an era that is decades old at this point that has no emotional resonance to these current characters. Um, and especially in a, in a time where the show has in series 11 tried so distinctly to be like, we are our own thing. We're going to have our own master, our own companions, our own, our own shit going on. Yeah. Um, to, to see it, it was sort of all come back around to there's Daleks, there's Cybermen, uh, there's old doctors, Jody's technically here. Um, yeah. Yeah. Goodbye. Um, <clears throat> it's just a bit sad. Um, but you know, I really enjoy Sasha's performance. Uh, so yeah. it elevates it a little. <laughs> I think his performance is good. I think it is like, it's fun at least. Like he, he's obviously having a, a good time. Yes. agree. And I do think if, if it's actually scripted, then Chibnall's having a good time too, which is something very rare. We don't ever really see him like pull out a flair necessarily. Um, no, so, agreed. So maybe his strength is just writing these incredibly camp kind of characters. <laughs> um, yeah. He should be probably writing children's television. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, he has the moral compass for it. So. Ooh. <laughs> Sassy swipe. <laughs> <laughs> um, the I just want to, I guess, quickly talk about, I think the mechanics of the master in this episode are quite confusing. Like there's two masters. Uh, there's the, the seismologist one and Rasputin. Yeah. And then he turns into the doctor and is a whole new master again. And it's just, I, I don't know. With whatever. The one in, in um, the one that's in unit, I don't know where he goes. Like that master just disappears from the story. And if you believe that there are two masters in two different times, I think this episode doesn't, act, again, I don't think it actually realized or cared to connect the two things. Like, it was like, no. the audience will, no, think, will think that the master is just zipping in and out between both time periods. And that's enough. Um, I, I I guess it is. Um, you brought up, though, to me uh, after the episode, and I do really like this, and especially in hindsight, but the, um, like, the hypnotism eyes thing. Yes, uh, because in the classic series, the master was established as a master hypnotist. So it kind of made sense that... It makes sense, like, uh, that he would be masquerading as Rasputin, who was, an, like, well... Uh, culturally, I don't know, mythically, probably not really, um, became a, um, a, 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 a hypnotist, a Svengali kind of type character in history. Right. Yeah. Um, honestly, a whole episode where the master is Rasputin, that would have been a story. <laughs> I, I completely agree. Um, and again, a whole two-parter where like the master wants to become the doctor is a story in and of itself, right? Mm. The the problem here is that you've got everything else going on as well. Um, which, yeah, I, okay. What next? <laughs> uh, we've covered the master. We've covered units, sort of. We've covered a tick and an ace. Let's talk about Graham. How did he get in that volcano? <laughs> Graham, don't you need some sort of protective gear? <laughs> That's lava. <laughs> Graham, I know you said you were going to go alien hunting, but this is too far. Oh, God. I don't even know. Like, <laughs> and, and again, you, know, you said in that last segment as well, but like, you know, Chibnall doesn't care to connect these things. So why should we really give much of a shit? But Ooh. he literally just materializes in a volcano. <laughs> so, um, look, 
is what it is. I like the actor. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm struggling to say anything about him, to be honest. Well, th- there's nothing to say because he doesn't do anything in this episode. Like, yes, he has the speech at the end, which again, in and of itself is the strangest way of um, not yazzing that ending. But mm. anyway, um, yeah, Graham's there, whatever. Um, what else happens in Power of the Doctor? Should we talk about that weird Dalek that's like... Oh, Doctor. Oh, yeah, the defector. I don't like what Daleks do, so I'm going to turn against them and blue. Which, again, if you've been listening to our show for a while, um, is is exactly my kind of story. Like, the idea of, like, a, a defector Dalek that's like, hey, I think we've ideologically lost our way, and so I want to fucking kill all of my fellow Daleks is a really cool idea for a story. Um, in, And again, on second watch, I picked up on this, but, like, the idea that a Dalek shows up and says to the doctor, do you want to know how to kill every single Dalek? And she's like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like there's no like pause for the genocidal kind of consideration, which again is, is a very post flux kind of um, mm. uh, concept, I guess. But um, yeah, I like, I like the idea of it. I think the forced, what do they call it? Like forced ejection or something. What are you talking about? <laughs> When the, when the other Daleks show up and they're like, we allowed him to do it. And they're like forced something. And then they like slice him open. Uh, you're asking me to recall a line of dialogue that I... <laughs> hey, look, the point is <laughs> the concept of the punishment for like a rogue Dalek being that other Daleks will like slice open your containment unit so they can specifically mm. burn your flesh mm. is really, really cool. That's true. That is true. And that is cool. Even if it is just a mechanic to get Jody inside the <laughs> the Dalek. Honestly, it made me just think of Clara. Uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely thought of that as well. Oh, Clara. Clara. We're coming. We're- I'm on my way. <laughs> we stopped off a little bit and, and did nothing, but we're, we're coming. <laughs> yeah. Sorry for idling for two months. <laughs> no. Um, uh, Daleks, the Cybermen are back and they're doing their whole thing. Cyberlords. Cyberlords. Um, What else is there to talk about? I'm honestly fucking... what's interesting about the Cyberlords, actually, now that I think about it? Go for it. They're Time Lords in there. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no... (sighs) I don't know. Like, I understand that, like, part of the cyber conversion is that, like, you lose, like, the, the sense of identity or whatever, right? But even still... Amongst the Cybermen, there is a there's a drive, there's 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 a bit of personality, there's an ideological kind of like backbone to them, right? Mm. And you think about having the potential, like look, smacking Time Lords into cyber suits, I think is incredibly silly. But <laughs> if you're gonna do it, at least show us the Cybermen acting differently because they've got different, you know, DNA flowing through them, basically. Um, yeah. But instead, they're just they're just clunkers. They're just the same regular Cybermen we've always seen. And there's no like. There's no conversation about like, oh, these Cybermen uh, have eliminated everything that made them what they were. Now they're just... Um, <clears throat> yeah. How does the Shard feel about the fact that they're not pure Cybermen? I don't want to talk. Don't even get me started <laughs> on a Shard. Like, what a pointless <laughs> thing to bring back. So don't try to sell me any a Shard. I don't want that. 
So what happens with the shard? Did we ever uh, land on that? Like the master brought him back and cloned the master him? cloned him. Yes. Yeah. There's a line where a shard breaks him out of a, the prison cell unit, and he's like, "I'm so glad I cloned you right down to the last detail. Good clone. Good clone. Clone good. <laughs> why? And and how? Oh. And like why again? Can you clone regenerative abilities? Well, I don't think Ashad is a cyber lord. I think he's a... No, but he, he would have cloned the other cyber lords, right? No, I... Th- well, I don't... I don't know, to be honest. I thought that what... Because ha- they got they got pretty badly blown up. No, well, how did the master get out? You know, did he... How did he but, escape? <laughs> and again, that's one of those things that wouldn't matter if the episode was good. You know, I would just be like, yeah, he got out. He's the master. Who gives a shit? And so I understand the there's like a, de- a degree of like, oh, come on about us complaining about that. I get it. We're not going to spend much time on it. Mm. But it's just when, when you've got this many problems, it's like, well, we may as well list all of them. <laughs> what do you think? I got two things to say to you. What do you think of the, the in-between state that Time Lords go into, which is a piece of law that, uh, Chibnall loves putting new bits of law into the show. So here's another one. <laughs> um, not that he like follows through on any of them. Timeless what? Um, but yeah. remember the division? Division. Uh, the division? Who knows? Oh, sorry. Just division. Sorry. You are recalled. Just division. 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 <laughs> 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 oh, shit. Yeah. Remember the fob watch? Oh. Uh, Honestly, I thought that was going to come back. I thought that would make a comeback in this episode. The fact that it didn't, the fact that it didn't, it's fucking bullshit. Anyway. I saw people been like, oh, it's like actually really funny and like bold of him to just say, no, there's no answers. And it's like, no, 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 because he made answers all the thing you should worry about, all the thing you should care about. Exactly. And also even beyond that, I don't care from a law point of view. I don't give a fuck if law changes every single series of Doctor Who. There's no hard and fast rules here. Who really gives a fuck? What I care about mm. is the emotional reality for these characters, yeah. right? Like, how does the Doctor feel about not having any of her memories? How does Yaz feel about any of this? You know, mm. we get none of that because there is no mechanical answer either. Y- Yaz doesn't even fucking know. Yaz knows well. nothing by the end of this episode. She knows zilch about the person she's supposed to fall in lo- be in love with oh that's another thing yeah. I, i'm anyway. sorry I've, I've taken us off on a different track what i was going to ask you is what do you think about just that concept of the place where time lords yeah. go the the guardians of the the void or whatever guardians of the edge um, i think that's what they're called the edge um, yes but also um, just my second part is what do you think of the fugitive doctor coming back okay all right so I guess the, the, the guardians of the um, the thing, um, I understand the mechanics of it to get those old doctors to appear in the in the episode. I, I think that having them appear in her mind as like, you know, figments of her consciousness, I think works a hell of a lot better than for some reason having them appear as holograms. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we might get to that. Um, I... I don't know. Again, like there's nothing to say beyond they are there. They serve a plot point. They move on. Mm. Like there's no commentary. There's no deeper sort of meaning to any of this. Like it is, it's purely a functionality point. And there's a moment where at the end of that scene where she's like, well, this is why you've shown up to remind me that like everything always works out in the end. Like it, it always has to. 
And then she's suddenly on her own and it's like, mm. Oh, maybe it won't work out. Like, wouldn't that be cool? You know, like mm. may, maybe it's this idea that like, you know, false hope or, or whatever, but, but even then it's not that no. it, there's, there's nothing there's nothing to really comment on other than the fact that those actors are there. The robes mm. look fine. Um, I, I saw somebody uh, put a photo side by side of the um, oh. uh, demons of the Punjab yeah. uh, aliens. Yeah. Um, and look, I don't think the show is that smart. I don't think Chibnall's that smart. No. I love that idea though, because <laughs> I loved those aliens. So eh. well, everyone always said online that they would come back in her last episode to watch her die, basically. Um, would have been amazing if that had happened. Like I, I would have loved that. It would have been something. It would have been some some it would, connective tissue. At least would tissue. have been like a reference to her actual era. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. That's the other thing. Like this era has not created any memorable foes beyond Sasha Dewan's reinterpretation of a character who is long established. Um, yeah. And so I mean, remember the Pating? Fuck. Remember the ribbons from <laughs> the what? <laughs> The ribbon, remember all oh, the ribbons, all oh, the little bits of fabric, the, fabric. <laughs> the little bits of fabric that were like, she doesn't know she's the timeless child. <laughs> like I had really good will for that episode. I had a lot of good fucking will. And those, I, I even now I still think those strips of fabric could have been something. They were, they were something yes. at least. Anyway. It were something. Uh, somebody made a point. Fuck. I really am derailing us a little bit, but somebody made the point that ever since ascension no uh the la- no fuck the last episode chris chibnall episode to feature an original like creature was praxius mm. damn well i mean the big glowing orb is in this one that's like as a main threat you know like right as yeah, a memorable i i, I, I hear what you're to saying to not have any returning recurring elements like that's the last yeah, episode yeah. to not have any recurring elements is bananas like that was that is kind of wild <laughs> that was like two years ago um yeah. anyway so uh, um oh yeah so joe martin yeah no i was gonna ask um, you just one sorry <laughs> you were talking about the guy i asked you about guardians of the edge and i was just gonna say i just now realized we only get that one scene where of the edge we only get that one scene where she talks to them realizes she's on her own and then we never mm-hmm. revisit that space and it functions sort of the same way as like the fugitive doctor. Here's my segue, uh, talking to Jody inside of hey. the matrix and being like, you don't need to worry right. about mm-hmm. any of your past. You're the doctor, you know what to do. Um, and it just fucking annoys me that they have, they specifically created this piece of law to bring back old doctors and probably never going to deal with again. Cause I actually hate it. I hate it as a concept. I just talked. Um, no, I, I get it. I, I, I don't, I don't care. I guess that's <laughs> where I land. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the mechanics of regeneration are, you know, they're, they're, they're not hard and fast rules to me. Like do, do what you need to do for the story. Yeah. Um, my problem is just how, how evidently clumsy he is with it, you know? Yeah. Yes. I mean, he is like, it's, yeah. it's like it, he, oh God, he can't write poetically. That much is true. No, 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 no. He he is a mechanical writer through and through. And you, but even then, that's actually quite interesting. <coughs> sorry, excuse me. Because Broadchurch has poetic moments, or, or at least has human moments, mm. right? Like there are times in that show where you feel like you are watching people interact. 
Um, and then there's just none of that in his Doctor Who, um, which is yeah, it's a bit of a bummer. Um, look, it was nice to see Joe Martin again. It makes absolutely mm. no sense. Um, <laughs> no. I can I can forgive that, you know, because it's Joe Martin and, and that and that's great. Um, again, though, when she strolled around that corner, oh. um, and it's like. Oh, is this when the timeless child stuff starts happening? You know, because she's so tethered to that storyline that you kind of can't help but wonder, like, okay, well, are we finally doing it? And then they're not. And then there's that whole exchange that she has with the master where I think she says to him, like, who are you? And then two minutes later, she's like, you were always a terrible schoolboy. Like, so, so you know him? <laughs> I, <can't, laughs> I don't Fuck. know. Again, it's just moment to moment clumsiness. You're so right. And it's so funny. Like, that's a, like a huge, like, misstep. Not misstep. It's like a huge lapse of uh, internal uh, canon, whatever you call it. Continuity. Continuity. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but they do take the time for to make Yaz say, why is a tour guide from Gloucester <laughs> here? <laughs> yeah, she's like, this is so weird. Last time I saw you, you were a tour guide. It's like. But you still don't know who she you is. You don't know who she <laughs> like, is, Yaz. And it's like, why is that the... Th- Maybe they gave her that line because they knew that, like, Thasman people would pick up on that and be like, uh-uh-uh, she shouldn't know who she is. Ba-ba-ba. Yeah. 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 Also, how did the Master and all the Cybermen see the hologram if the only way you could see them was with those little, like, spark injections? I don't know. Well, anyway, (laughs) (laughs) who gives a shit, I guess. Um, Yeah, look, whatever. And then what was her last little moment? She's like, I guess my work here is done. And that's a season wrap on Joe Martin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. It was like, oh, let's have her back too because reasons, but let's not try and engage with her as a person. Um, Yeah. God, it was yeah. bad. Uh, but that pretty much takes us straight to the Doctor brings all together all of the people she's collected over this episode. They defeat the Master. I honestly can't remember how. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> truly, truly, though. Um, like, because the forced re-regeneration happens and she becomes herself again. And then I think they go to the conversion planet. And then I think he also shows up on the conversion planet. But he's all, like, fucked up because of the regeneration stuff. Mm. Uh, and then he's, like... She says to the Quarrenks, she's like, you can go free, but can you just blow up this thing that's in Earth's <laughs> orbit first? Um, <laughs> and then for some reason, the Master can still be like, ah, turn your power beams on her. Like, it, it's just... It's so clumsy. So I've just... If I can't be you, no one can, is uh, at least thematically tied to what they were going for. Um, but like you, you brought this up to me as well, but like the outright murder attempt is odd. I want to say a couple of things before that. So I've just looked it up. Um, I've just looked up the plot and the, the, I I can't recount it to you because it makes no sense, but basically they all go to the volcano and they destroy it. They destroy the Dalek volcano. Oh yeah, the volcano, right. Um, they all, no, Tegan blows up the Cyberman converter in the basement of Hugh. Unit HQ, um, and this is after she falls down an elevator shaft. Isn't it, it? Yes, not only does she fall down an elevator <laughs> shaft and survive, the two of them somehow manage to get from the basement of the building <laughs> to outside before it blows up. Somehow, 
Don't know. Oh, yeah. And they're literally like on the street next to it as it blows up. And it's just like a little gust through their hair. And they're like, that was crazy. Yeah. Like the whole building comes down and they're like, oof, what a, what a whirlwind. <laughs> the middle of London. And there's like three people that- on the street just like, oh, what was that? That's what I was going to say. There's like, they've got a couple of extras and they're like lounging against the wall. Like, oh, oh, no. Building's coming down. <laughs> Um, oh, we haven't even talked about Binder. <laughs> Fuck. Um, like, there's nothing. Okay, yeah. Look, okay, let's smash that up real quick. There's nothing to say. He gets spat out of a wormhole. He shows up to prove the point that the Doctor has friends, and then the Doctor fixes his ship and he jumps back through the wormhole. That's it. There's nothing there. Yep. Yep. I completely agree with that. I will say he looks fucking fine though. Like Vin. Like uh, I forget the name of the actor that plays Vinda. Like he was always a good looking dude. I think in this episode specifically, that like, he looks fantastic. Well. Since he dropped that um, lady and his kid, <laughs> you look <laughs> an old lady as yet unborn child. <laughs> the doctor, some would speculate. Um, anyway, why didn't anyone be like, "How's Belle? Did you have a kid? What's your broken future like? Have you started rebuilding yet?" I think the doctor does. Like she sets, she fixes his ship or something, and she's like, "Hope you have a good life with your kid" or something like that. <laughs> and then she runs away Remember when people thought your kid was me Bye <laughs> I, I, I think I said this to you after the episode But I was like I thought it would have just been really funny If they were like Oh what did you name your kid And she was he was like Doctor <laughs> Yeah The doctor <laughs> um, But no they go to the cyber planet And yes you're right The, they, the doctor frees the quarinx And um, Is like you can go Just destroy the planet But the master uh, turns it on her and causes her to regenerate. And my my problem with this, it's not even really a problem, but it's just that, like, the Master has always been a character who's threatened the Doctor, but never actually taken actual violent act uh, action against them. And so to see him actively, like, turn the beam on her, a sci-fi gun, in essentially, is just, yeah, it, right. it, it, it just left a real fucking sour taste in my mouth. Um, but after, uh, you know, basically eating sour candy for the whole episode, uh, I was pretty used to it by that point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, then we get Yaz Bridal carrying the doctor in, I think the ugliest choice this story could have made right before it specifically said no queers. Yep. Um, they don't get the hug. I saw that bridal carry. And I was like, holy shit, we're actually going to do this. Like, we're going to do the kiss or we're going to do the profession of love. We're, we are going to do this. And no. Nope. <laughs> nope. No. They. I saw a lot of people online being like, the doctor kisses her cheek in that scene. You can see it. And it's like, no, she oh. just turns her face away. And if she does, it's not even it's not even the focus of that scene. So they don't want you to see it if that's what mm-hmm. she's doing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do. I've also just realized as we, now we're talking about this, where we're at in the plot, but like, we haven't really talked about the Doctor or Yaz. Hmm. We haven't talked about, uh, why they go to like pre-revolutionary Russia either. We haven't talked about, well, look, we've been going for an hour and 10 minutes now. I don't really care about the particulars of this plot anymore. Like, I, I think you, you you folks listening at home, you know how we feel about it. We know how we feel about it. It doesn't work. Whatever. I think the character stuff, though, as the end of an era, I think is probably the more interesting thing we could talk about now because mm. Yaz... 
Oh, uh, well, yeah. She, well, she, I mean, she goes out with exactly the same problems as she's had the entire time. You know, um, I think it was you, you said to me, someone on Twitter brought up that really good point of every time another companion has left the TARDIS, they have left with like a sense of purpose yeah. or direction or emotional clarity or fucking whatever it was. And, and with Yaz, it's like, how's her family? Is she still going to be a cop? Um, mm. How does she feel about the doctor? Does she think the doctor's coming back? Does she understand what regeneration truly is? Mm. You know, there's, there's just so many threads that none of them are pulled on. None of them are tied together. You get a moment earlier in the episode where the doctor, Yaz says like, hey, can you explain this to me? And the doctor's like, no, there's no time. And she stops and she's like, then make time. Mm. And it's like, yeah, truly. Why was there no time made for these two characters that are supposedly in love with each other? And I think the answer to that question is that this is a breach. I think the answer to that question is Chibnall doesn't care. Doesn't find it. Doesn't think the audience wants to see it. Maybe. Which is, uh, like, if that's true, like, a huge fucking misread of, like, why people seek out drama. They don't seek out drama to watch aliens go pew-pew. They seek it out because there are people in those pew-pew stories who want things and will do things to get those things. And what Yaz wants has, up until Eva the Daleks, been pretty fucking vague as to be non-existent. And after it's yeah. established yep. that she loves the Doctor, um, it, she's, it's still a vague it's still a vague like motivator for her because it's actually not motivating anything beyond like inaction. Like she just doesn't do anything. She just stays by the doctor's side. She just constantly is like, tell me things and then never follows up on those things. And the doctor is an equally inactive character. And that's the problem. And I think we alluded to this at the start of this um, episode. It's just like these characters, these two leads who have been there from the very beginning of the Chibnall era are so fucking inert. They don't do anything. Mm -hmm. They go from the plot, they go through the motions of the plot, doing nothing but explaining what they're seeing and then fixing it all in the end with a little bit of like twiddly-waddly. Um, yeah. And then typically there's a scene right at the end in the TARDIS where they stand around and they promise that next week is when they're going to address things. And then it happens this time and it's the end of the story. <laughs> Like, I think you brought this up to me. Remember, it was the end of Flux where, like, the Doctor's like, yes, I have been shutting you out and I haven't been telling you things. And I'm going to start telling you things now. Uh, yeah, it's that scene where, like, they're standing really close together. It's, like, sort of the... It's the the glance that, like, launched a thousand ships, you know? And, and, and in a genuinely good way. I remember actually liking that scene because there's a, a, a bit of a human moment between the two of them. Mm. And then we subsequently get three specials where nothing changes. And yeah, not only that, but then they have almost the exact same conversation in Eva the Daleks where like the doctor mm -hmm. apologizes for shutting her out again. And it's like, oh, you haven't done, you haven't learned anything. You haven't changed or you're not even trying to change. Yeah, agreed. And you're right. I don't necessarily think it's because he doesn't care as a writer. I think it's just that his priority is first and foremost, his bloated plot work. And then whatever time is left gets the, the scraps, right? Um, and it's just, 
<clears throat> I think that if you were to do this with a straight romance, I, I probably wouldn't blink. I'd be like, yeah, it's, it's badly written. It's a badly written era. Who gives a shit? Mm. But I think just specifically the way they've handled this queer stuff, the way that they have leaned heavily into internet culture and, and stan culture and fandom, um, having you know these people on Twitter who... Like honestly, more power to them for for fucking like trying to get as much out of this this blood out of this stone as possible. Because I get the desire to see these queer stories. Um, I think it's very gross and insidious that this production has allowed fans to do all of the heavy lifting. It, it's not as if they give them just like half the 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 you know the, the proverbial meal and then everyone else brings something else to the table. Like this is, hey, wouldn't it be good if you could eat something and then everyone else makes up what they want to eat. Um, mm. and I, I find that gross. I don't like it. I don't, I don't care for it. I, I think people should want better for themselves. And this is stuff that we, we talked about this when we had our big Thasman discussion. Um, and it's exactly the same points at the end here because they didn't do it. They had no intention of doing it. And so they didn't. And here we are. Now there's been infighting on Twitter for yeah. the past fucking year where you've got queer people attacking other queer people over the fact that they, they are skeptical of this. And this is what it's all been for. Like, fuck. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's like, that's a very good point. And one we don't often talk about, which is just like Doctor Who community and like the audience who are still watching the show religiously. Um, it hasn't been a good place to be for the last five years. No. Probably before that, because obviously then there were all the not my doctor people who were like a woman doctor. Yeah. Um, and so... This episode, I mean, I'm not, I don't for a second think that, like, Doc, this is the other thing. I don't think Doctor Who should be made for Doctor Who fans. That is a cardinal rule. It should be made for everybody and it should be as accessible as it possibly can be because its concept is just so, mm-hmm. like, huge. Like, to create internal law in this show is to, like, stifle it significantly. And it's not interesting, I think, as a viewer. Um, but for the audience that have stayed with this show, they have built up a love for it. Um, and it has <laughs> had this really detrimental effect of, of yeah, like you say, infighting and and uh, just this incredible animosity and, like, um, incredible animosity, basically, towards other people that, you, should, you know, you should be your allies, you should be your friends. Um, and so watching this episode... Is like yeah, like you say, like this is what it was all for. Th- this nothing yeah. of an episode. This this they don't even like they they don't even say the word queer or gay or lesbian. It's all so lightly touched on. It's so lightly touched mm. on as to not be there. Um, the most explicit moment of it is is either the it's still either the dialects when she says you know I never I didn't think like I don't even know how to think about this. The fact that that's where they leave this conversation, really. The fact that that's where they leave this character in this state of uncertainty. It would be fine yeah. if the uncertainty was the story, but it's not. It's never foregrounded. It's an addition no, to... No, agreed. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I completely agree. Um, Like, I, I would have given the world for... Like, even if you want to leave them on ambiguous terms right because Mm. the doctor can never commit and you know yaz isn't good at goodbyes like i i don't hate that right but then you need to have a scene where she goes home where she sees her sister Mm. and they have a conversation 
you know, where she's like, I didn't realize how much I loved her until she was gone mm. or, or fucking whatever it is. However trite you want to make it, I really give a shit, but do something to confirm that Yaz internally understands or at least now better understands her her feelings as a queer woman and as a woman who is essentially going through a breakup actively. Um, <clears throat> it's just mm. to, to do none of it. Uh, it's very cowardly. It's, it's, it's shitty. Um, I, I don't know. Um, I think that Mandip Gill and Jodie Whittaker act the fuck out of their final scene together. Well, their second to last scene together. I think the, the, courtyard goodbye is is literally a nothing mm. but sitting atop the tardis together floating above the world eating ice cream and the the kind of like and i said this to you at the time as well but you know nobody got to be us nobody got to live our days whatever it was um <clears throat> i think is a very beautiful line i think it, it's it's far too poetic to have come from chris Chibnall, um because i view it in a metatextual sense in that you know you've got these two actresses sitting yeah. there who are saying you know, nobody else got to be the first woman doctor. Nobody else got to be the first queer companion. No, you know what I'm saying? Like with, with the doctor or fucking whatever, however you want to view it, right? Um, and so I can appreciate the, the the sentimentality of that for the actors. And I think that when you are seeing them cry together in that final scene, I, I do believe that that is Mandip Gill and Jodie Whittaker having a bit of a moment together because, you know, by all accounts, they are super close and they seem to have all the chemistry in the world when they're off camera, mm. um, which is, <clears throat> you know, kind of like a, a deeply unfunny irony at the end here. Um, but, you know, ultimately what we're left with here is Yaz leaves for no discernible reason mm. and gets no closure and thus there we go. Like it's, it's done. That's Yaz. That's a wrap on Yaz. And this is where we leave. It is a, it is a, just a really fucking brutal way to end a companion's journey, which is to basically be like, it's very classic who, and the, actually the only companion I can think of that had a similar kind of exit is, um, is actually Sarah Jane Smith. Cause I don't know. Have you mm. watched her last episode, James? Uh, I haven't watched the last episode, but I've watched her goodbye scene. Like, I've watched her end, right. basically, yeah. So, basically... Um, I, I, I found that very beautiful and sad. Oh, it's a beautifully written scene. It is. And they act the fuck out of it because, like, they have been on a long journey together, as as two people have. Um, but the scene itself... And again, sorry, just there's a good example of, like, two actors who are elevating the material because they clearly give a shit about each other as human beings outside of mm. the show, right? Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. But that scene, that in story terms, like uh, Sarah Jane Smith leaves because the doctor gets recalled to Gallifrey and he can't take humans with him. So he's like, oh, I've got to drop you off. And so she just gets, she just literally just gets dropped off um, back on Earth. And it's like annoying, but par for the course sort of with classic Who. I think with yeah. this new... So, well, this needs to end. You know? Yeah. Uh, this needs to end because your your contract's up, <laughs> basically. Um, <laughs> yeah. In Classic Who, they've made... Sorry, in New Who, they've made such a... Rightly or wrongly, such a big, like, fuss of companion endings. And obviously, Doomsday set a certain um, benchmark, a watermark that, like... Yes. Uh, yeah. Other exits after have had to reach or try to reach for. And so, like, I remember when uh, Graham and Ryan left and it was very understated and very, like, it made sense because they'd been planting for such a long time that they wanted to go. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. it was understated, but that was the tone of that 
whole story they were telling, which was like that people grow out of these things and they, they need to leave for their own, you know, for their benefit. It was a very Martha exit in that response. Um, they've established for such a long time that the only way Yaz could leave is by, you know, basically dying. Like she would never leave this woman. So for that woman to be the one to be like, you've got to go. And the reason you've got to go is because, oh, I can't do this thing that I've done with all my friends in the past with you. Yeah. Like it's, it's the story mechanics. It's the world outside of the show showing. It's like, you need to go because you don't, you are no longer a companion after this episode. Not for any yeah, reason. Yeah, exactly. He's he's not a good enough writer to, to pull off that kind of mechanical necessar- necessity. Rather. No. Because um, like you said, like Yaz is, look, if, if nothing else, Yaz has been established. Her one personality trait is that she wants to do this forever. Yep. Um, yep. And so to just have her leave <laughs> um, is, I, 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 I don't get it. And look, this is Jodie's last episode as well. So um, it's, you know, we've been talking for a while tonight. It's, it's getting late. But unfortunately, you know, if you want to know how we feel about Jodie Whittaker's doctor, you know how we feel about it. You know, we, we've been talking about her for a, well, across multiple episodes now. We, we've got check-in points uh, along a lot of her journey as well about where, how we feel. And I think, you know, she's a fantastic actress when she's given the right material. She's actually quite good as the doctor. Um, mm. There are even a lot of moments in this episode alone that I, I enjoy her performance as the Doctor. Um, but it's still the exact same problems it always has been. Um, nothing really changed. Nothing improved. Nothing got worse. It was just the same. Mm. Um, and now it's done. And that is, that's the great tragedy to me is is just how, how much of a nothing this this ending has has been and and also has become because of what we're about to talk about in a minute with this this new era kicking off yeah. as well but um yeah I'll, look i'll say this um in terms of her regeneration scene i think the you know the staging of it is quite nice it is um the line uh you know doctor whoever comes next or whatever it is um i love i actually really like the the sentiment that she conveys in that scene both you know through her eyes and through the actual words itself of like i'm not i'm not annoyed that i have to go i'm just sad that i don't get to be around for whatever comes next is quite beautiful and i think very in keeping with the kind of almost saccharine version of the doctor (laughs) that she has played yeah um the problem for me is tag you're it which is in keeping with the kind of shitty writer Chip was. So um, for, for that to be her last hurrah, it's like, oh, for fuck's sake. Tag your ear is such a funny... It's such a Chibnall line. <laughs> it's just funny. Like, wh- what? Like, what? This is, a, this is a series for adults. Adults watch this show. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that oftentimes Chibnall... This is such a, a small moment of this larger world that he has created. He often, like, is either going super dark or super light, and there's no shades between yeah. them. And so this falls on the super light end of things. Um, I think I, I think I actually quite liked the line where she was, yeah, like you say, like... Um, that's the only sad thing. I want to see what happens next is so out of mm-hmm. like, it, yeah, like that, if they just ended it there, oof, that would have been a good line. Yes. 
I agree. The Tagura is the only part of that regeneration that doesn't work for me. Um, I think everything else is quite beautiful. So, you know, like at least we, at least mostly the last scene we have with Jody, we enjoyed. I think so. And it's a beautiful mostly. regeneration and it's a beautiful it shot, beautifully shot on that like archway. Mm-hmm. When we cut back to Jodie Whittaker, she is no longer Jodie Whittaker. No, and not only not only have we regenerated into or degenerated, as it were, into David Tennant, Jodie's clothes burn away. <laughs> um, and and look, I, I said this on Twitter, and I, I I copped some flack for it, but like, this is effectively just them being like, anyway, here he is now. Yeah, and. You know, not 24 hours after the last story for the first female doctor and we've got a new logo, a new distribution deal. All the marketing has changed. And look, Shudi Gatwa is already out here on that press circuit being a fucking just monster of charm. He, he is he is a beautiful man. I cannot wait to, to see mm. his era kick off in, in earnest. Mm. Um, but I do feel some type of way about you know, Jodie's time not being marketed very well while it was happening. And then effectively all of its visual signifiers, iconography being erased straight away. Um, it just feels, you know, like even if you don't want to like mean spirited or if you don't want to read intent into it and whatnot, um, I, I just think the, the mechanism of the marketing itself has done her no favors and that this is how it's all wrapped up is disappointing. It's so, it's just actually kind of bizarre, like, to end one era and not immediately be celebrating it. Like, I think, like, when David Tennant left, there was a good portion of time before they were started promoting the new era. Um, and maybe that just speaks, I mean, ultimately, I think it just speaks to the popularity of this whole era, which hasn't, it hasn't been. <laughs> You know, yeah, um, right. yeah. It's just it's it's so like from a from a marketing from an economic point of view from all those like capitalistic point of views. Obviously, it makes sense, it makes complete sense to be like that's done. Here's some stuff that's coming up to get your audience back. Um, but yeah, like from a social point of view, and you know, from a. a kind point of view it sucks yeah uh, agree um very much agree they've got so look so there's lots to talk about obviously with the shooty gatwa coming in there's new logos there's a disney plus deal we might leave that for now uh for a later episode to discuss that in greater detail because we have been running for quite a while um, but James, we have, you, we have, it's been a long night. Do you have any sort of final, final thoughts on the Jodie Whittaker era <laughs> that you haven't already said? Um, well, yeah, uh, she deserved better. Queer fans deserved better. Um, Chris Chibnall is a, a bad writer and a terrible showrunner mm-hmm. and I'm glad it's finished. Mm. Um, it's. I, I, I remind myself of when it was announced he was taking over the show in 2016 and I was ecstatic. I was like, mm. ah, the guy who made Broadchurch, that amazing show. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Get rid of Stephen Moffat, the old misogynist. Let's watch some new who. Um, <laughs> uh, if only I could go back to that time. 
<laughs> yeah. Truly, truly. Um, look, this almost feels cruel at this point, but uh, Power of the Doctor, what are you giving it? Well, it's an A+, plus, obviously. <laughs> no, I, I, it's hard. Oh, God. It's probably a D. It's probably a D, and yeah. that's being generous. I, I was thinking a D as well. Mm. Um, just for, for the queer stuff alone, I want to give it an F, um, but I won't. Um, mm. Yeah, whatever. I... I didn't care for it, um, but I don't have any fight left in me. So No. They took Taylor this week, and <laughs> now they're taking Jody. The only one that's <laughs> yeah come out. Candid confession. I don't think either of us like Midnight's very much, <laughs> so... <laughs> Hate Midnight's. Ooh. <sighs> but Carly Rae Jepsen's new album is beautiful, so... And next week, listen to our new podcast about Carly Rae Jepsen. <laughs> yeah. Because we need to talk about something we like. <laughs> oh, God. What are... What, actually, yeah. What are the next um, um, Smith era episodes we're talking about? Well, when we come back, we will be talking about the... <laughs> Chris Chibnall two-parter, The Hungry Earth, <laughs> and Cold Blood. Oh, Because no, we never recorded that's, that's that one. very funny. <laughs> that is... That is actually very funny. Um, great. <laughs> we... Shit. We... Uh, l- listener, we, we did watch them well in advance, and we were going to record an episode about them before... So that it went out before uh, Power of the Doctor, but... Obviously, James's work took him away from that, um, and also our, our general um, ineptitude. Um, <laughs> but now we have made this like little, <laughs> little rod for our own backs by like <laughs> just slagging off Chibnall. Now we're trapped in a little <laughs> Chibnall tube. <laughs> exactly. Um, that's what we're going to talk about next. But we paint. We'll, we'll make it quick. Quick. Uh, yes, I, I think that you like, look, whatever, we'll, we'll get to it when we get to it. Um, as always, thank you so much for listening. Um, you, you listener, you can, um, uh, rate and review our, our little podcast here on, on iTunes. Uh, if you could leave a written review, especially that helps the algorithm pick us up and that would be fantastic. Um, as always social media, uh, two hearts podcast at two hearts pod that's two the number two or you can have your long form thoughts and feelings read out on the show uh emailing two hearts podcast at gmail.com and that's to the word two i have been james and you can find me on twitter at omg more james and i've been callum and you can find me on twitter and instagram at theatricallum until well, great. next time yes uh tag your <laughs> um Tag right back. <laughs> I don't want to be it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>